speak to us from your word. You have a special word for us today. And I pray, Father, that you will communicate it. Take my tongue, my mind, my whole being. Bring it to the Holy Spirit. Bring it under your power. Empower me to speak the word of God today. May it be spirit and may it be life, Holy Spirit, because it's coming from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those that are worshiping with us online, it's, it's awesome to be worshiping with you today. And I pray that this worship time has touched you there as greatly as it's touched us here. Folks, I gotta tell you, it's getting a little crazy out there. Outside these four walls, outside the walls of my house, it's getting crazy. It's getting scary. It's like the pagan culture of the United States is just totally broke open. And it's just, it's just completely engulfed our nation. The rulings of the Supreme Court of the United States has once again affirmed its stance with the murder of the preborn children. And it's just, it's tragic what we're seeing happening. They have again reaffirmed their position in their favor of same-sex relationships. We are, we are watching the destruction of the marriage covenant at a level that is staggering. And, and what, is, what is grievous is that the, the percentage of divorces inside the church is equal to the percentage of, mar- of divorces outside the church. And it's, it's, it's tragic what we're seeing happening. The sexualization of this culture and, and the, the, uh, the sex trafficking, the trafficking of human lives, and, and, the, and the, the openness of it, and, 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 and the, the supporting of it, the, the, the ruling of judges that, that is allowing it to continue is, is staggering. We were just watching our culture just going downhill and becoming more and more pagan. And, and with that is the rise of the persecution of authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. They're not, they're not very worrisome about the churches that are really seeking to be tolerant. Tolerant is a tool of the devil to get the church to compromise and move away from the authentic word of God. Because tolerance is, is pluralism at its zenith. Because now there's no absolute truth. There's no absolute way to heaven. Everyone is on their way worshiping God. Everyone. Jesus wasn't in agreement with that. He meant it when he said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. See, and, and when, you, when you're going to take a stance as an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ today, not just a churchgoer, not just somebody that, that intellectually believes in God, but an authentic disciple, you're going to come under persecution in the workplace, even inside your family, even inside your family, because your family will want you to be tolerant. Authentic discipleship is going to become more and more costly. You know what's amazing? If you've never read the little book by David Wilkerson called The Vision, it was written in 1973. I first read it in late 73, early 74. There are things in there that back in 1973, you'd read it and you kind of go, wow, that's a little crazy. Really? For example, one of them was that there would be churches that would hold church services in the nude do you know that's happening now in America? Earlier this year, there were churches that started holding church in the nude in February. Really out there. That's really weird. A sexualized culture. And... The, this, this is nothing more than manifestation of Baal and Astarte in this generation. We studied a few weeks ago how that, that Jezebel brought Baal and Astarte into the culture of Israel. And at first there was this incongruence that brought a strain and a pressure because there was, there was incongruence. But you know how it works, exactly like the old saying, sin is a monster of such hideous mien that to be hated is but to be seen. But seeing too oft, familiar with face, we first endure and then embrace. And if the church doesn't stand by the absolute principles of Almighty God's Word, that the Bible is the infallible, inerrant, unchanging, for all cultures and all generations, absolute truth. If we don't believe it, teach it, and walk it. That last one is the critical component. Jesus said, the one that built his house on the rock was the one that heard my words and did them. The one that built his house on the sand was just the one that heard my words. It's not enough for you to have a preacher that preaches the truth. you got to walk in a church family, and so does the preacher. It's getting crazy. Shared with you last week, the quote from Sean King. This is, this is a little staggering. There's two parts to this 
This, this, this was his text. Yes, I think that the statutes, uh, the statues rather, excuse me, I think that the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They're a form of white supremacy. Always been in the Bible when the family of Jesus wanted to hide and blend in. Guess where they went? Egypt, not Denmark. Tear them down. Yes, all murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends should also come down. They are a gross form of white supremacy, created as tools of oppression, racist propaganda. They should all come down. Crazy. One of the great black preachers that's in heaven today was confronted with this from a member of his own congregation calling it white supremacy, white Jesus. His answer was, I don't know about him being a white Jesus. I don't know a white Jesus. I know a brown Jesus. Born to brown parents. I know a Jesus has shed red blood on the cross. I know a Jesus that said to take the gospel to all the world. Folks, what we're seeing right before our very eyes is our pluralistic culture is now demanding that the church deny its true origins and its true identity and true discipleship of Jesus Christ. Jesus was God, and he died for all. It's not a white Jesus. It's not a black Jesus. It's not an Asian Jesus. It's not a Native American Jesus. It's a Jesus for all mankind. Now, by the way, that's what the church is supposed to be also. Wanda and I have had the joy. The church we planted in Toronto, Canada, we had nine different nationalities. I mean, it was like a rainbow on Sunday morning. Then the church we planted in Lacey, Washington, we have 14 nationalities. I had a, I had a black brother. I had an Asian brother. That, that worked with me, and I had, I never could figure out if he was Native American or not. He must have had some measure of Native American in him because he did all of his work among Native Americans, and they loved him and welcomed him as if he was one of them. The Bob Miller, he's in heaven today. That brother reached Native Americans. We were taking the gospel. He was a pilot, and he would fly in and land his plane and get into places where the gospel had never gone. Native American nations in North America, Canada and the U.S. that had never had the gospel. And he would go in with, land his plane and take the gospel to them. Christianity doesn't have a color to it. 
It's for all people of all nations, of all races. Now, the unique thing about it is the people that gather together and worship, we have color. And we can't deny that color. Amen? We can't deny that color. We can't deny, you know, if you're Hispanic, you can't deny that. If you're black, you can't deny that. Just like I can't deny the fact that I'm Heinz 57 out of Western Europe. Okay? Can't deny that. But what that means is we're brothers and sisters with the same papa. And he's the father of all nations. He's the same father that sent his son to die for you, and he sent his son to die for me. Amen? But we're, in, we're, we're living in a crazy time because more and more the pressure is to shut down the church. Have, have, it, does it seem a little weird to you that now more and more <clears throat> outbreaks are being traced from churches? I, I was reading this morning where churches across the nation are being traced. Well, it broke out from this church. It broke out from that church. And, of course, we're, I'm sure we're all aware of what happened at, at Le Grand. And it's, isn't it, is it a little strange to you? But, it, but have you noticed that no one's saying it broke out at Wally's World or at Safeway or at Home Depot or at any of the protests? Does that seem a little strange to you that, that we're, we're highly publicizing is breaking out of churches, but it's not breaking out? It's, it's like this virus is really selective, and it knows just where to go. We're only going to go to the churches now. Does that seem weird to you? Yeah. Well, it's only weird if you don't get it. Yeah, right. <clears throat> the enemy is using this to directly attack yes. authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. That's, right. That's what he's doing. And boy, did it break out on Thursday in California, huh? Yeah. Governor of California declaring it is against the law to sing in church. I don't know about you, but it just makes me want to sing even louder. But that's not the first time in history it happened. I'm off notes. Don't try and find me. It's not the first, I'll get back on it in a minute, though, I'll let you know. It, it's not the first time it happened in history. The first time it happened in history was in March of 32 AD when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was coming from Bethany on the Mount of Olives, going to go through the eastern gate to the Temple Mount. And on his way, they were having church and they were worshiping and singing. And the leaders of that day said, you got to shut them up. No singing allowed. And Jesus said, if they shut up, the very rocks will cry out. And I'm saying to you, ain't no rock going to cry out in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify the King of Kings. Come on. 
It's a direct attack. What do you do in the midst of this craziness? What do you do in the midst of this craziness? I'll tell you. You've got to do the same thing Elijah did. And we, we started this last week, and we, we discovered some things from the life of Elijah when he had called all of Israel to Mount Carmel and called them to make a choice. You either got to worship the Almighty God or you worship Baal, but you can't keep doing both. And I'm saying to the church around the world and especially the church in, in, in second millennium church in America, you can't keep being like the world and then worship Almighty God. You got to make a choice. You're either going to worship Jesus and serve Jesus and be an authentic disciple of Jesus, or you're going to be like the world and like this pagan culture. But you can't have both. Amen. And when you make that choice, just like Jezebel, the pagan culture will attack you. Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. We've got to understand something. Get ready. In the darkest moments seems to be when God manifests himself the greatest. And as it says on the screen, in the worst times, God does his greatest work. Would you say that with me? In the worst times... God does his greatest work. But you know what's weird? In those times when God's doing his greatest work, the majority seem to miss it. They don't get it. They miss it. And, and we've looked at some of those occasions. For me, in my lifetime, it was the Jesus people movement and the charismatic renewal. I mean, it was shaking and rocking and rolling across America. But what, what to me is the funniest thing is Time Magazine had come out just before that and said, God is dead. Front, front cover of Time Magazine, God is dead. Only for about a year later, they had on the front cover the Jesus People movement. Somebody forgot to tell God he was dead. The greatest move, and yet the majority of America missed it. Majority of America missed it. And right now, I'm telling you, right now, right now, God is wanting to do his greatest work in this generation. Right now, when it seems the darkest, and all of this is coming out against the church and against Christianity, all of this is coming out against Jesus, God wants to do his greatest work. This is our time, and we must not miss it. So what did Elijah do? Well, Elijah, he ran to Beersheba, 100 miles. He ran straight south from the Jezreel Valley, straight south, all the way through Judah to the most southern city in Judah, Beersheba. And at Beersheba, the very name means... What? A call of oath. He went to that place to where Abraham worshipped after he brought Isaac to Mount Moriah. The place where 
when Sarah demanded that her handmaiden and her son leave, met God. A place where Jacob met God and God revealed himself to him and they made a covenant together. A place of oath, a place where they make an oath. And God, when, when you're under this kind of attack, God wants you to run to your covenant with him and reaffirm your covenant with him, reaffirm your identity in Jesus, reaffirm your worth in Jesus, reaffirm that you're a child of God, reaffirm Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my rock, my fortress, my God. And he will be my shelter and my protection. Amen? Amen? You just reaffirm your covenant, your walk with Almighty God. And that's what he did. But folks, listen. Expect intimidation and threats. It's going to come. Expect it in the workplace. Expect it from your neighbors. Expect it from the media. Expect to hear it everywhere you turn. There's going to come a greater and greater message about the church. The church is the problem. Christianity is the problem. There are those crazy people that won't conform. Just expect it. Also expect there's going to be struggles at times with discouragement and depression. I shared with you last week. I just, I just have days, I, I had a little outbreak of it this morning when we got here. I'm wearing my face shield and, 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 just, and I'm just going, this is crazy. Can we just get back to, and the answer is no. No, no. So, so what do we do? What do we do in the midst of that? I reaffirm who I am in Christ I reaffirm my identity in Jesus. I reaffirm his anointing in my life. And I reaffirm this. In the midst of this craziness, I am going to be a light and a salt in this crazy world because this world needs Jesus now like it's never needed Jesus. And that's what you do. You, you run to Beersheba. You're Beersheba. Well, where's that at? In your heart somewhere. In your heart somewhere. Now, if you're, if you're a typical North American Christian today, and you're going to hear me more and more, and you've been hearing it over the last many months, saying more disciple than Christian, because Christian is one thing, being a disciple is another. In current second millennium USA church culture, I mean, there are Christians that do the craziest things now. And if you're a Christian, you've got a Beersheba somewhere in your heart, and you need to get there, and you need to reaffirm your covenant with Almighty God. You need to reaffirm you've been born again, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. You're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And he is now, Heavenly Father is now your father. Lord Jesus Christ is now your elder brother. You're in covenant with Almighty God, and therefore you will have no other gods before him. You will make no graven images. You will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You will honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You will honor your parents. You will not steal. 
You will not murder. You will not commit adultery. You will not covet. Come on. Amen? Amen. You're going to live as an authentic disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to Beersheba and remake that commitment to him. Amen? Amen? But that's not all that happened to him. From Beersheba, Elijah went another 200 miles to Mount Sinai. Scripture calls it Mount Horeb in 1 Kings 19. Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same place. Two different names for the same place. Why would God take him there? Because he was about to have a face-to-face encounter with Almighty God. Here's why. Just going to Beersheba and reaffirming your covenant with God is not deep enough and not adequate enough to carry you through this time. You need to have a deeper face-to-face encounter with Almighty God. And now I'm speaking to 90%, 95% of the disciples of Jesus Christ today. You got to go deeper. 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 Okay, you know who you are in Christ. You know you've been born again. Can I ask you a question? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? Do you have your spiritual language? If you don't pray in tongues every day, you don't have the strength God wants you to have. That's just just the truth of it. That's why in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Why is that? Because earlier in verse 2, he said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Literally in the Greek, he builds himself up. That's like pumping iron for the physical body. Praying in your spiritual language. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, you need to start asking God, God, give me a thirst and a hunger to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so I'm not living in my natural power and my natural strength, but I'm strengthened by your spirit in the inner man and I have my spiritual language so I can build myself up in the spirit every day throughout the day. The more difficult my day, the more I pray in tongues that day. Be built up in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We got to go deeper with God. I'm not sure what the next slide is. I forgot. (laughs) Thank you. It's not her. It's me. Okay? I got myself myself going down a rabbit trail a few minutes ago, and I've forgotten where I'm at. I'm sorry. We got to go to this passage of scripture in Matthew 16 because Jesus described exactly where we need to go today. Now, look right here. I know you're I know you're going there, but before you get there, look right here. This is an extremely unpopular message. But it is the absolute truth. But there has been some compromise in the house of God. And so we don't want to go to this scripture. We don't want to believe what this scripture says. But I'm saying to you, 
You can't get where God wants you to be without this. And here's why. Go ahead, get to Matthew 16. We're going to read 24 to 26. But before you get there, look right here. Look right here. Listen, this is so important. See, the reason God wants you to get to Mount Sinai is the same reason he wanted to get Elijah to Mount Sinai. On the other side of Mount Sinai was coming Elijah's greatest years of ministry. He was going to mentor the one that would fill his ministry after him and would do exactly twice as much as Elijah did. But Elijah was going to anoint new kings. He was going to confront kings that were sinning. He was going to do his greatest ministry after Mount Sinai. But he could not do that ministry in the same spiritual condition he was doing before he went to Mount Sinai because there was some deep stuff that had to be dealt with in Elijah for him to be able to do that ministry. And I'm saying to you, son and daughter of God, your greatest walk with God is yet before you. God's greatest work is going to be happening now in this dark, dark hour. We're going to see God's greatest work. But the only ones that are going to see that work are those who are willing to go to Mount Sinai. And what does that mean? Exactly what Jesus said here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Luke records this, and here he says, takes up his cross daily. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that when Elijah got to Mount Sinai, God's first question to him is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He was checking Elijah's motive. And Elijah's motive was very selfish and very self-centered. His answer was, I'm the only one left, God. I'm very zealous for you, and I'm the only one left. They, they, they've killed all the others. I'm the only one left. I'm very zealous for you, but I'm the only one left. They've killed all the others. Where's his focus? I'm contemplating my navel. I'm the only one left. It's all about me. Was Elijah a man of God? Absolutely. Was he an anointed man of God? Absolutely. Was he a prophet of God? Absolutely. Was he doing God's work? Absolutely. But there was still a lot of Elijah inside of Elijah. And the darker it got and the more the persecution rose, the more Elijah became focused upon Elijah and he didn't even realize there were 7,000 people out there yet that were still worshiping the living God with a heart after Almighty God. 
He wasn't the only one. It felt like it, but he wasn't the only one. His eyes were on himself. He was about himself. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. Christianity cannot be about you. Christian ministry cannot be about you. If you're on this worship team, it cannot be about you. If you're on the Connect team, it cannot be about you. If you're in children's ministry, it can't be about you. If you're in the Kingdom Cafe, it can't be about you. If you're on the pastoral staff here, it cannot be about you. Ministry has to be about people. We are in the people business. Living Faith Church does not exist for Living Faith Church. We exist to win this city. We exist to be a life-giving church where faith becomes reality. We are here about people. We want to help people. We want to help people get set free. We want to help the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. We want to help people that are in the deepest part of sin to get set free, to get delivered, to be set free from the powers of darkness so they can walk in the light and the glory and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. It's about people. And so he gets to about... He gets them out three times. God asks him this question Why are you here? Three times he answers the same way. Finally, God confronts him in a really unique way. He sends earthquake, he sends lightning, he sends windstorms. Mount Sinai must be near Hermiston. I mean, he shook that place. And Elijah was broken. Elijah was broken. Now, here's the cool part. As Elijah breaks, his hearing got better. And it didn't have to be the power of God he could hear the still, small voice of God. And that's, that's a significant problem in the house of God today. We've got, we've got all the bells and whistles in the history of Christianity in the United States of America. We've never had the wealth and the tools that we have today. But Jesus talked about that. You're rich, increase with goods, and you say you have need of nothing. And you don't realize. I'm standing on the outside knocking, wanting to know, can I come in? We use, we use that passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 3 so often Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you'll open the door and let me in, I'll come in. We use that for sinners. Take the context. He's not talking to sinners. 
He's talking to his church. It's possible for the church to have all the stuff going on inside and to be prophesying in his name, to be healing in his name, to be, to be preaching in his name, to do all those things, and for Jesus to say, depart from me, I never knew you. You lukewarm church, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Now, this, this is not an easy message. This is a tough message. But this is the message the church has got to hear right now. Because I'm telling you, dear ones, every single one of us, we have got to find our Mount Sinai where we go there and we let God break us. God can only use broken people. He had to break Abraham. He had to break Isaac. He had to break Jacob. He had to break Joshua. He had to break David. He had to break Peter. Every man and woman that God uses is broken before Almighty God. Why? Because in that brokenness, self goes to the cross and dies. Pride goes to the cross and dies. Your own motives and ambition go to the cross and die so that when they die, now you can hear God's still small voice. And exactly as it says in Psalm 27, he can guide you with the softest voice and with his eye. He doesn't have to put a bridle on you. He can guide you with his softest voice and with his eye. willing are you willing God's greatest work is happening right now in our generation only with people who are willing to go to Mount Sinai and be broken before him so that you can become more like him so there's less self more Jesus less pride more humility God gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud less pride more humility so that you, you see, I'm closing with this. Would you stand with me, please? Because we're going to have a season of prayer. Stand with me, would you please, church? Those that are worshiping with me online, would you prepare your heart right now for prayer? Whether you're in your living room or you're at the campsite, wherever you are, 
Would you prepare for prayer right now? See, here's the problem God has with us. We have so many things. We have so many toys. We have so many things we can do. We have so many activities. We're so busy. And work schedules are so crazy. Many times the work schedule is on a rotation basis, so your days off, adjust, and move. And many times you're having to work on a Sunday and you can only get to church, you know, one, one time a month or twice a month. And because that's your day off, then you want to go play also. So you go play rather than come worship Jesus. And we love Jesus, but we don't realize we've put Jesus in the second seat. He's not in the driver's seat. He's not the director of our life. We love him. We love him. We may even read his word some, but he's not in the driver's seat. He is not the Lord. He is not the master. He is not the ruler of our life. He is not the controller of our thought life, our tongue, the desires of our heart. And we've we and and yet in in our culture you're a Christian, but Jesus is not the head. We have to get to Mount Sinai where God can confront us face to face and break our pride before him, break our selfishness before him, break down those walls, those barriers that we hold up where we reserve things in our life for ourselves. Just those very words. I'm reserving that for myself. Wait a minute. Did you hear that? Self. You cannot serve Jesus with all your heart and have self. He who takes up his cross daily and follows me. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If there's a measure you're living for self, you haven't gone to the cross sufficient yet. You got to die to self. You got to die to pride. You got to die to your personal ambition. You got to die to your arrogance. Jesus has to be the supreme one. Are you willing? You go, Pastor, you are preaching really hard today. I'm just teaching what Jesus taught that is rarely taught in today's church. And I want you to know the Lord's been preaching this to me over and over and over since February. He began preparing me for this craziness before I even knew the craziness was coming. And he's continuing and I want to call you to a season of prayer. I'm opening this altar. Come kneel here. Come kneel across these front chairs. We've got some empty chairs here. Kneel there. If you can possibly kneel, I'm asking you to do it. I know there, there's some that medically and, and age-wise you can't kneel. I get that. 
you can you can sit there you can sit up here but would you find a place and maybe for you it's going to be Beersheba that's as far as you get today you're, you're not ready to run all the way to Sinai yet but get to Beersheba if you've been to Beersheba and you know your covenant you know who you are you're really firm in your identity in Jesus Christ you need to make your journey to Sinai and this is the day to start that journey start that journey to Sinai taking up your cross taking up your cross Lord I shared your message I've shared it as simply as I know how and as authentically as I know how, Lord. But it's now up to Holy Spirit and your work in their heart. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, begin working in their heart. Take us to Sinai. Draw us to Sinai where we meet you face to face. And you deal with the motives of our heart. You deal with the depth of our heart. We want to be more broken before you so we can hear your voice more clearly. Deal with us, Lord. Deal with us, Lord. Huh. Deal with us, Lord. Deal with us, Lord. Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus.